25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Here we go. Hour number two of the show has begun. Welcome into the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Hometown heroes, local agents in all 82 counties across the state of Mississippi. Somebody you can deal with one-on-one, face-to-face. We stay connected to you here on the show because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired, where they are. Let me give you an example of what C Spire does. A great Mississippi company. And we say connected on the show. It's not just during the show, but around the clock when I'm tweeting and posting and uploading and live streaming. And when we do the Dogpile podcast, um, try to do it. We're starting to try to do it every night. You know, we hadn't made it, but we're kind of getting there. All that connectivity, for me anyway, is because of C Spire and my, uh, primarily my phone uh, from Ceasefire. But it's not just that. You know, they're a Mississippi company. They've gone in and are working with the state of Mississippi to work with every school district in the entire state to help seek and identify areas where Ceasefire can step in and give them free high-speed connectivity for K-12 through students so that they can get all their work done and continue to learn and communicate with their teachers during this time that they're out of school. Now think about that. Just another example of great Mississippi companies like Ceasefire, like Farm Bureau, that they don't just sit on their hands. They actually go to work and figure things out during this time. It really is a cool concept, and um, they do great stuff. Hey, if you're just tuning in, I appreciate you doing that. Lots of ways for you to be a part of the show. You can text me, tweet me, see numbers on the screen. I will give you a heads up in just a few minutes. We're scheduled to uh, connect with Coach Mike Leach, head football coach, Mississippi State. Talk with him a little bit. We've had a great run of guests uh, so far this week, kind of leaders in the athletics world. We started with Keith Carter, AD at Ole Miss. We talked with uh, John Cohen at Mississippi State yesterday, Scott Strickland at the University of Florida today. Uh, if everything goes according to plan, we'll get a chance to get, talk with Coach Leach. And all these folks are you know, just like us, you know, trying to figure it out day by day. But I'm curious about the perspective of a football coach right now when you're not able to practice, you're not able to have meetings, you're not in the same room with staff and players. What are the worries, what are the concerns, and how do you work around that to kind of keep the flow of communication and connectivity and work? Going And that came up on yesterday's show, a great question from a listener on the Country Pleasing text line. How do coaches make sure that guys are doing what they're supposed to do without just completely falling off the map uh, during this time? So um, we'll try to get into all of that. Also, 
Uh, if you're watching the Facebook stream, hey to you on Facebook, facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. And we'll try to get your comments there. Hey, Beaver, before you start making phone calls, you a fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger, like movies and him as an actor and all that kind of stuff? Overall, yeah. Uh, not all of his films. Some of them have been absolute dreck. Right, yeah. But, yeah, per, uh, all in all, I've never had a problem with Arnold. One thing we, okay, you said it, Arnold, iconic voice and accent, really, for him, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he put this out on Twitter. His own Twitter video, Arnold Schwarzenegger is sitting in a hot tub at his home smoking a cigar. And this was his message. Yeah, I am at home taking a jacuzzi, smoking a little stogie. He's smoking a cigar. I just finished a bike ride and a little bit of workout. And I just, you know, keep staying at home. Away from the crowds and away from outside. The reason why I'm saying that is because I still see photographs and videos of people sitting in outside cafes all over the world and having a good time and hanging out in crowds. That is not wise because that's how you can get the virus. That's how you get it, by contact with other people. So stay away from crowds, stay away from being in restaurants and outdoor cafes, especially now in springtime where all the kids are going to the beach and celebrate and drink and all that stuff. This is not a good idea. So stay away from the crowds, go home, and then we can overcome this whole problem, this whole virus in no time. But you got to go and follow those orders. Just remember, stay at home, don't don't go to crowds. Put that cookie down. (laughs) And I don't know, Beaver, I don't know what the put the cookie down is from, but it has to be a line from a movie. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah that was inserted very randomly it wasn't it that's his last name <laughs> put the cookie down he said he did a workout and rode his bike so there's your social distancing message arnold schwarzenegger today providing it imploring you to stay away and i will say this based on some of the stuff that i've seen on facebook and i'll be honest with you from some of my own friends and like people in my hometown of Tupelo, y'all need to Google the word distancing. I mean, we're told to all do our part. And they're like people having get-togethers and posting pictures of it on Facebook. I saw one picture. It's somebody who's like in a... You know, small, they're in small business, you know, in the food industry. It's like this person and three or four friends or five friends all sitting around a table, elbow to elbow, fixing food, and they're all and like hugging each other. I I, I don't understand it. Google the word distancing if you don't know what it means. <laughs> That's my take on it right now. All right, special guest on the show, Davini Equipment phone line here. You go. Pirate, blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. Yes, let's talk a little football and other things right now. The head football coach at Mississippi State University, he is Mike Leach, and he's on your radio right now on the Divinity Equipment phone. Coach Leach, I really do appreciate some time, and I know it's sort of a 
a weird downtime. Everybody would love to know first and foremost kind of how you're doing. Everybody okay in your neck of the woods? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. How, how about that song? That's a pretty cool. Uh, the Oakland Raiders uh, had that thing. Then uh, I don't know who did it, but uh, associated with their team and stuff. And uh, 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 but yeah, kind of the o- Oakland Raiders theme deal back in the day. Back in the day, and the my old... whole uh, my whole family because they were from yeah, they built uh, Kaiser ships there in Oakland and. Uh, so my dad's side of the family is from the Bay Area, and they were all psycho Raiders fans. So I liked everybody but the Raiders. <laughs> and, um, you know, who did I want? Well, whoever the Raiders were playing, you know. And then, um, because I just got tired of hearing the family uh, go back and forth, the ups and downs, and bragged about the Raiders. And so, um, you know, and I'd pick one team after the next. Trouble is, is, None of them were any better than the Raiders back then, other than maybe the Steelers. And I wasn't a big Steelers guy. But the thing is, is uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm down. Uh, I'm like everybody else, just sort of buttoned up, weakness out. And mm-hmm. you know, some things are bigger than athletics, and you know, and it's a shame because at a time like this, athletics would certainly do some things to <clears throat> uplift people sure. and. Uh, uh, but at any rate, you know, we got to wait it out. And I think there's some opportunities. <clears throat> you know, anybody that uh, doesn't uh, execute their time productively, I think, is making a mistake. I think that uh, um, the trouble is there's a lot of stop and start with this. But um, try to do something productive every day. And I think, uh, and you know, stay close uh, to your loved ones, make sure they're doing pretty good. In our case, uh, uh, we're scattered around the country. You know, we're also um, trying to look after our student-athletes and prop them up academically as far as uh, making sure that they uh, take care of business and their online class efforts and things like that. And um in Mississippi, it's a little bit of a struggle because not all of them are right next to a computer or have uh, service, you know, so sure. we're working on that today. Well, and, you know, that's one thing I wondered about, Coach, if for you as a head coach, is there any worry? We, we'd heard so much, and I know it. I'd seen with my own eyes the, the level of the off-season program and the workouts and how, uh, how good that was and how um, – how much work was being put in by the team. So for you as a head coach, is there a worry that with something like this, we're talking strictly for the football team, that that kind of goes down the drain? Or when they all get home and now they're not keeping that up or not able to, is there a worry that kind of goes away? Yeah, there's no question. And, and, you know, and the fact of the matter is a portion of it is going to go away. I mean, Mm -hmm. we can – you know, we can deny it all we want and we can try to hope it away. But the, you know, the, 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 the good news is, is it was extremely demanding. It was the most demanding work, uh, that those guys have ever done in their life. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, uh, um, we cracked the surface on, you know, how hard you can actually work and how demanding you can actually make things. So I think, uh, uh, setting the stage uh, mentally to work even harder. I think um, we made some progress there. We're definitely going to uh, 
uh, lose some of what we gained uh, in the weight room and running. Because doing it on your own is entirely different than doing it with the group. And uh, the notion that out of 120 guys or so, everybody's out there tearing it up, working out, or even able to, I mean, it's ridiculous. And um, uh, the thing I hope the most is that they're eating right. And, um, um, you know, because I think that'll maintain it the best. But there's definitely going to be some work to do um, when we're allowed to, you know, go full steam and practice again. No question about it. And that's just part of it. And it'll affect other teams, too. Sure. Sure. That's right. Mike Leach on your radio right now. Coach, um, how are you personally dealing with the quarantine, just staying away? How, how are you getting through it every day? Oh, shoot. Yeah, I mean, it's a complete pain in the ass, I'll tell you that. But I try to be optimistic about it. I, uh, <clears throat> you know, I get as much done on my phone as I can. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then I, I try to uh, I try to get a, a little exercise every day. Um, you know, the one thing that you can uh, do is, you know, everybody says they don't get enough sleep. You read every article, they don't get enough sleep. People don't get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, everything would be perfect if everybody got enough sleep, which uh, <laughs> uh, I haven't paid attention to that for decades. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm getting more sleep. Uh, and then uh, I try to have something like that kind of a sequence of stuff I'm trying to read every day. Um, you know, uh, in other words, try to have like kind of a game plan each day. And like I say, that part's tough because all of a sudden there will be an announcement on the TV, um, you know, where it changes the ground rules of things. And I try, uh, <clears throat> for a while I watched, uh, you know, the news like everybody else all the time, but that is so redundant and so much the same thing. It's same people saying the same stuff over and over. So I try to watch one thing a day just to get a general catch up on it. And then after that, deliberately make sure I don't watch anything else. Sure. And then, uh, 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 you know, to try to get some reading done so I make sure I'm, I'm moving the middle needle there and uh, getting something accomplished. Uh, oh, making sure that I eat uh, right. I'm doing the eat right thing, you know, eat uh, small portions and <clears throat> make sure it's good, wholesome stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, but that's the, that's the thing. Well, you don't want this to be non-productive time because we can make this time productive. And the worst thing you can do is sit and, and pout and whine and worry about what you don't have. I mean, you know, That's I mean, right. yeah. um, we, we got to get the most done that we possibly can and, you know, um, lay back and enjoy it to the point we can, you know? Sure. That's right. Um, you know, in regards to this quarantine, you know, it opens up possibilities. We kind of learn about ourselves a little bit, what we like, don't like somebody coach, uh, texted into the show earlier today and was saying, you know, if you were quarantined and you could be quarantined with any historical figure, living or dead, you know, who would that be? And and I was thinking about that. For a lot of us, it's kind of, uh, we would answer that based on what we're interested in at the time. Like, like I've been reading and studying and learning about the Lewis and Clark expedition. So right now, if you ask me that question, I would say, well, I'd want to be quarantined with Meriwether Lewis, because I got a million questions. 
But I wonder for you, is uh, would you answer that based on like what you're studying and interested in now, or do you have one person that that would always be that answer? Well, I've always thought of it this way. Um, first of all, the ones that are cop-outs that just don't want to answer the question, they'll immediately say Jesus or God or somebody, which that's kind of a, yeah, no kidding. You know, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, that's, that's like, that's kind of the nuclear option on who you would want to have, uh, uh, dinner with or whatever, you know, um, because, uh, you know, I mean, whoever your deity is, that would include everybody, you know, so, right. (laughs) Um, it it really does kind of depend what I'm interested in the most at that point. Um, you know, I did a book on Geronimo periodically. It's been Geronimo, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, I know a lot about Ernest Hemingway, so I almost would kind of like to spend that somewhere else. Obviously, guys like Lincoln and Churchill surface in the conversation, at least for me. Mm. George Washington, I think, is uh, the magnitude of George Washington, what he did in this country, because we wouldn't have America <clears throat> without George Washington and his uh, personal sacrifice and uh just his resilience to stay out there when it was impossible, when even uh, uh, the the colonists didn't want to anymore. Uh, And then, uh, oh, you know, I mean, you know, you could even have a... One time I talked to a friend of mine, a guy named Tom Lemming, and and, uh, Tom Lemming's the big recruiting guy. Mm -hmm. And... So he goes all over the country, and then, um, and I got to talk to some of these guys on the phone, and know one or two of them. So we talked about all these shows we'd watch. So you know, there's a guy named Jim Caviezel who's interested in sports and a big Notre Dame fan. And, um, so uh, Tom called me, and he had. Uh, uh, S. Parker, who played Daniel Boone, uh, Ron Ely, who played Tarth, and then, of course, Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus. Now, that's a power dinner right there. I mean, even <laughs> though there were some stand-ins, Tarth and Daniel Boone and Jesus. I mean, that's, 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 that's pretty stout. And then, um, uh, so I think that, uh, 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 what, what I was going to tell you something else. Um, well, and let me interject. Uh, yeah, yeah, it definitely depends what I'm interested in. Then. Right. And then, and then, oh, what I was going to tell you about Lewis and Clark. Yeah. I'll tell you, I was really starting to get interested in that myself because you, you know, right there, um, in Washington state where I was last, which is a great place and everybody should go if they ever get a chance. Um, that, well, that's where, that's where the and all these rivers will make sense to you. Um, uh, that's where the Snake River, the Salmon River, mm-hmm. met up uh, in the Clearwater, uh, <clears throat> met the Columbia, um, and the Clearwater is just a gorgeous river. And then um, probably my favorite, I mean, you know, the Snake, the Snake's Grand, and <clears throat> really nice. But they went down all those rivers, and it's all converges right there in Pullman, and that's where they kind of split up and and uh wintered and um you know and and the and the the indians kept them alive they probably wish they hadn't in hindsight in but, hindsight uh, right <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> kept them alive all winter and, you know, and taught them how to survive. And the most amazing thing about Lewis and Clark, nobody died. Everybody got the back. Uh, everybody came back uh, mm-hmm. uh, in one piece, which is amazing. And then, um, uh, but that was all right there. It was all right there. And it's like anything, you know, you're at a place. You said, geez, I wish I'd have done this. I wish I'd have done that. And, um, like, you know, I mean, I had Lewis and Clark stuff right at my fingertips and didn't know nearly, uh, about it, what I'd like, but it was right there. And I, and, and so, uh, and so some of those places I've actually been right at or caught a, a sturgeon or something and right on those same rivers. I would, that is incredible. I'd love to see it. You're right. There's so much amazing. They had one guy that died on that journey, but he died from natural causes. And you know how it all connects. What's interesting, Coach, is Meriwether Lewis, um, not long after they finished that, um, supposedly killed himself not far from where, not far from where I'm sitting right now, between Tupelo and Nashville, Tupelo, Mississippi and Nashville, along the Natchez Trace. Right up here north of us is where all that happened. Hey, um, our time's Why up. Why did they think he did that? Well, it is. There are some people that don't believe he did it. They have, you know, as a conspiracy theory that don't believe he did it. But others, the people back then that knew him believed it was possible because one, he was very sick. Two, he was an alcoholic. He had malaria and was taking medicine that had mercury in it. So they just thought that it all just kind of drove him crazy, basically. Um, wow. Yeah. I uh, would go all that way and then uh, finish it out like that. Huh? I know. Yeah, I, I, I'd read that. Yeah. yeah. Out of time, Coach. Let's do it again soon. Thanks for some time today. Appreciate it. Uh, all right. Sounds good. Great talking to you. Yeah, you too, Coach. Thank you. That's Mike Leach. Y'all stick around. Back. Back on the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Plus, we stay connected to you around the clock because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Beaver, did you enjoy the conversation with Mike Leach? Yeah, that was that was a good one. What he, I liked his answer when I said, um, how, you, how are you dealing personally with this quarantine? Do you hear what he said? Hmm. Well, I'll be what honest is- with you, it's kind of a real pain in the... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's honest. He's, um, he's definitely honest. I would love to spend some time talking with him. Just like off the air and talk non-football. You know, I love the way he kind of uses the English language. But, you know, um, just for instance, I I go through these phases in my life where I will just get consumed by studying something, Some you know, it could be like a history subject and 
reading about it, wanting to learn everything about it, stuff that I didn't previously know. And I just become fascinated with it. It's sort of, you know, you go through phases of it. We probably all do that to a degree. Um, I've, for years and years, really my whole life, been fascinated with military subjects. Growing up, I had a grandfather who fought in World War II and who was, you know, shot, wounded, recovered, and, you know, I heard all those stories and got a Purple Heart, and I saw the medals and the uniform and all those things. So I always was just fascinated with this, with military and this idea of, you know, ultimate bravery and walking into gunfire as opposed to running from it. Those kinds of ideas have always just fascinated me. So then moving to Mississippi, I became fascinated with studying and learning about the Civil War, trying to piece it all together, learn things I didn't know. You learn about people, you learn stories you didn't know. Also, there's a geographical thing for me too, Beaver. So I'll give you an example. Like my wife is from Vicksburg. Born in she's born in Natchez, but raised in Vicksburg. And um getting to know her and then visiting her family and going there all the time. Obviously, you know, when you talk about the Civil War, it's Vicksburg, it's Gettysburg, right? That's like the two main things. You're right there. So what I do is as I drive up and down the road and we're going to this place, that place, or we're driving through on on 20 right through Vicksburg, I look at land and pieces of land and hills and valleys and all these different things, and um, I try to piece it together in my head of what happened there, all that kind of stuff. Anyway... So the same's true, like driving into Jackson and driving through Mississippi, try to piece all this stuff together. So here recently I started studying the Lewis and Clark stuff. You can hear that Coach Leach was very interested in that too, because he's he's saying he's coaching at coaching at Washington State in Pullman, Washington. Well, he's right. The entire Lewis and Clark expedition went right through there. They wintered not far from there. You know, they spent the winter there and stuff. He's right. He's seen all those rivers and things. I would love to see them. But I start reading about it here, and turns out he, uh, right, I mean, they have the monument up there right now between Tupelo and Nashville on the Natchez Trace where he supposedly uh, committed suicide, Meriwether Lewis, starts studying all those things, and you just kind of become consumed by it, want to learn more, learn more. And there are all these conspiracy theories and stuff uh, that are out there. And to me, that's one of the things that makes Coach Leach just so much different than any other football coach you encounter, there are a lot of them who will sit with you in a private setting or in a private dinner and talk about those things. And if they're interested in them, talk about history or maybe it's politics or maybe it's finance or whatever, you know, whatever their outside interests are and talk. But almost none of them are going to entertain those types of conversations in a radio interview or in a press conference during the week of a ball game. But Mike Leach, it's just his personality, I guess, he has always entertained those types of subjects and questions <laughs> during the press conference a week of a game or on interviews on the radio. We kind of know that. He's kind of got that reputation. But you can see it's just so easy to get into it. Before that conversation's up, he's asking me questions, <laughs> which that's actually the that's what a conversation is. An interview is one person asks a question. A conversation is two people do. And I uh, would really love to 
have some time to get into it. But more, even more so, I would love to go to um, that area out there and see all that stuff. Never seen it. Starting to learn about it a little bit. Beaver, you know, now here we go, history lesson on a sports show, and it's a Friday free-for-all, so I just don't really care. And and I'm sure you probably, I don't know if you do or not. Have you ever found this stuff interesting? Have you ever found like Civil War history or, you know, the Lewis and Clark stuff, all that kind of what seems like ancient history now? Do you find that stuff interesting? Are you talking to me or yeah, you, listeners? You. <laughs> I never know. Um, yeah, somewhat. I, I never really was a big history buff, but my dad has always been way into history. Yeah. Into. So I never, I, I never caught it. I never, he never passed it on to me, but I find some of it entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, for those that do, it's, um, it's really incredible to start to like consume all this history, Civil War history, some of this other stuff, and then think about how lucky you are to live in Mississippi because it is like right on your doorstep everywhere you look. Uh, it's just all around here. It's a really cool place to live if you like that kind of thing. Yeah. All right, y'all hit me up. Text me, call me, tweet me, at Radio Wyatt. What is this? Anthony said, Anthony from Tupelo on the country pleasing text line. He says, um, Matt, of course I had to be away from my truck for the entire Mike Leach interview. <laughs> he says, where can I go later on to hear it? Will the replay be on Facebook later today? Uh, Anthony, yes. Uh, the entire interview from hello to goodbye, uh, I will post it as I do with all those types of interviews on the Facebook page. It'll be available for you. It's just facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. That'll be posted later today. But I will tell you, if you want to get to it before that, the the live video, the live stream of this radio show, I just ended it, went ahead and ended it after the Mike Leach interview. So either on Facebook or on Twitter, if you open up those, you can scroll through and go to the start of the Mike Leach interview whenever you want. And I know that it's like bad business to send you to something like that while we're still in the air, but Hey, I'm just here to serve. Unnamed texter on the country, please. And text line, Matt, if you are interested in world war two, uh, it says you should read Stephen Ambrose books, including citizen soldier band of brothers, the victors and others also undaunted courage for a very detailed yet readable history of Lewis and Clark. I, um, I have a copy of the Stephen Ambrose book, uh, Band of Brothers, but I don't have the others, and I need to get it and read it. No question. And will. You know, it's just a matter of time before I get them. The thing, though, is that up until a time like this where we're quarantined at home, I normally don't have uh, time to read. I mean, I don't have time to read books. Just don't have time for it. No, I, But I can't say that now because now I do have time. <laughs> and so does everybody else. We need to be, I guess, reading some books. And we'll do that. Hey, uh, here's a historical nugget. We're talking about history. This is baseball history, but I, I noticed this one today. Um, some links that I get each day in my email inbox that help me to see things that happen in history on this day. And, and you, you never know about bringing this up on the radio because it could really spark some people. And that's fun. That's fine. 
But on this day in 1989, here's what it says. It's a baseball history link. Baseball. Pro baseball. On this day in 1989, the Office of Baseball Commissioner Peter Uberoth announces Major League Baseball is conducting an inquiry into, quote, serious allegations concerning Reds manager Pete Rose and gambling. Yep. It all originated this day, March the 20th, 1989. And it amazes me how many people, because, I mean, what? It, they start the investigation at, in, in the spring of 89. They make the decision when? A year later, he's banned from baseball forever. And and so here we are, 30, what are we, 30 years later? Here we are 30 years later, and time has healed that. The, the huge majority of people, especially baseball fans, say, it's been long enough. Put the man in the Hall of Fame. When I tweeted about it a while ago, the um, let's see, uh, three hours ago, I tweeted. I said, yeah, on this day, this happened. And the immediate response I get is, put him in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, people, I bet if Major League Baseball took a poll, I bet 90% of the people they poll would prefer lift the band, put Pete Rose in there. But probably about 90% of the writers, the baseball media people who vote on the Hall of Fame, would say keep him out. Give the people what they want, put Pete Rose in. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. About to wrap this thing up. Beaver, you ever taking that five-hour energy drink yeah oh yeah does it work for you it doesn't Mm. i it never worked for me yeah i had a funny conversation at a counter at the checkout counter at a gas station um, a week or two ago about the five-hour energy drink you know um and the only reason i'm bringing it up is just because we come back on the air right here right now and i just know you're you've had a really long week (laughs) You know, and I was just thinking about, you know, what do you do? I drink coffee. I drink a lot of caffeine, good and bad, whatever. That's one thing. These little bitty bottles of the five hour energy. And I just wondered if you take it. I'm not surprised to hear you say it doesn't really work that well for you. But here was our conversation. The guy standing behind me at the counter, he's looking at this big display of like 40 different flavors of five hour energy drink. He said, yeah, I'm just standing. He sarcastically said, I'm just standing here trying to figure out which flavor of this I want. And I went, you know, think about this. Why do we need different flavors of the five-hour energy drink? It's about the size of a shot glass anyway. And the whole purpose of the thing is to down it. It ain't like you're sipping on it, tasting it anyhow. Why do we need 40 different flavors of it? 
That's craziness. It's <laughs> a good point. Yeah. Just just throw it back. Don't worry about it. Just throw it back. I don't need eight different flavors of five hour energy drink if I'm going to take it. You know? Anyway. So you're not a coffee drinker. Five hour energy drink does not work for you. I'm beginning to wonder what your options are, Beaver. <laughs> that's uh that's a good question. <laughs> I don't really have a morning wake-up beverage. <laughs> My caffeine comes if I get, which this is a horrible option. But the really only caffeine drinks I use is if I go to the gym, I'll drink a pre-workout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Which a lot of those are just terrible <laughs> for you, but. Right. Red Bull? I don't Maybe. do Red Bull. Um, I don't dislike Red Bull, but. They used to get me going a little bit, but I see if I'm going to go to the gym or something, I want to, I want to feel like my heart's about to explode, and that sounds horrible, but yeah. I just want the I want the rush. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We got to figure out something for you. I think I heard a commercial about sugar-free Mountain Dew. Oh, I don't drink sodas. No sodas. I'm just shooting everything down, Matt. White. Dad, gum it, Beave. <laughs> What about sweet tea? Oh, I'll drink the mess out of sweet okay, tea. Okay, so there's your caffeine intake right there. Drink you a bunch <laughs> of sweet tea, see what happens. <laughs> of course, that kind of sort of... Diabetes could happen. That <laughs> so That's what say, could happen. I was going to say that. Sort of defeats the purpose of some of that working out there, doesn't it? Yeah, like, you know, I kind of meant that I drink it you know, <laughs> once, a, once a week, but you're telling me to start brewing it up every day. Bring a gal on the sweet tea to work with you every day. Yeah. And just sip away. And pretty soon, um, who knows what will happen. Hey, again, you'll, you'll, you'll have highs and lows if you take in that much sweet tea. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you'll be like a kid eating M&M's, <clears throat> bouncing off the walls one minute and asleep the next. <laughs> uh, I got a piece of news for you here. Let me see if this button will play. Y'all recognize this? You know what that is? That's The Price is Right. The Price is Right. A new car. On this day in 1992, (laughs) I know, stop rolling your eyes. On this day in 92, a judge, a jury, awarded $1.3 million to Price is Right model Janice Pennington who claimed that an accident on the show five years earlier ruined her career. The award was $100,000 more than she was looking for. She's someone who, listen to, hey, all right, this is, (laughs) Beaver, this is an Associated Press uh, piece from back in 1992. Listen to this sentence. Miss Pennington who points to prizes on the CBS TV merchandise game show. (laughs) That's what she does. That's what she does. She points at prizes (laughs) in a bathing suit. Miss Pennington, who points to prizes on the merchandise game show, broke her collarbone when a television camera hit her in the face. In the face! And knocked her off a four-foot stage. 
Her attorney, Larry Feldman, don't know if there's any relation to Corey, told the jury in closing arguments that her injuries affected her earning potential as a model and that she deserved $1.2 million. And they said, no, ma'am, you don't deserve $1.2 million. You deserve $1.3. How about this, uh, Beaver? She also claimed she missed 36 tapings of the show for which she would have been paid $340 each plus a percentage of every rerun. So how about that piece of information? Back in the late 80s, early 90s, every Price is Right show, the woman standing there pointing at the prizes got $340 per show. That's good money. When yeah. you when you are described as a person who, quote, points at prizes <laughs> as your job, you're getting $340 in a day mm-hmm. to point at prizes. Mm-hmm. And the injury happened. This was 92. You said five years. So that injury was 87. Yeah, right. Now, back in 1987, $340 <laughs> went a long, long, long went way. Long way. <laughs> 340 bucks a pop. But also earned a percentage like a royalty every time the show reran, you know, and yeah. which is a bunch, I guess. I, I, of course, Bob Barker would have been involved in that. I don't even watch it anymore. I used to watch it all the time. I don't watch it anymore. It's really sad. Yeah, Drew Carey never had the same feel. Just didn't. Me. No, it didn't. He doesn't look this. It's not the same feel when he holds that long, skinny microphone, that little round thing on the end of it. <laughs> Bob Barker. Hey, man, I have a some people I knew. This is, again, this is 15, 20 years ago, whatever it was. Um, but I knew some people from Tupelo that got to be on The Price is Right. Okay. It was these two women. And they went to the prices, right? Like, you just go. Like, you go to Los Angeles, you just go, you walk out. I want to go in. They sell you a ticket, you go in, you sit down. And got called up. This woman from Tupelo got called up there. So she's standing up there yelling out prices for this and that. She wins that, gets called up on stage to play one of the games, right? I don't know what game she played, but she won it. A prize. You know what her prize was that she got to come home to Tupelo with? What's that? A snowboard. <laughs> well, that was put to good use, wasn't it? Oh, man. So I'm thinking. A snowboard. What, are you gonna, what the heck are you... And this might have even been before anybody knew what eBay was. Like, Craigslist didn't exist. How are you going to sell it? You can't even find somebody to sell it to in Tupelo, Mississippi. A snowboard. Uh, this is news. I, you know, Here we are closing the show with this, but look. Sean Payton, head coach of the Saints, has the coronavirus. Here he is. Look, I think the thing that's lost in it all is, um, you know, for us that are maybe younger, it's one thing. And we could become, obviously, infected and, and carriers. But uh, the way you must feel if you're an older person, uh, that, that's something that you, you would never want. Um, neither of my parents are alive. But to have that fear of, uh, of being in that age group that's affected the most, I think, is, is certainly uh, frightening. 
He has it. Uh, is feeling good. Here's Adam Schefter about Listen, it. Listen, he started feeling ill on Sunday and asked to be tested. And at that point in time, he thought he had it, like a lot of Americans at this point in time. But nobody knows exactly if they do. Testing so difficult. Sean was able to get tested on Monday. And this afternoon, he got the results that the tests was positive. Now, he is in the minority, as you mentioned. He does not have the symptoms of having a fever, of having a cough. He's going to be quarantined over the weekend, and he expects to make a full recovery. And he even sounds upbeat right now. And he came forward with this message because he felt it was important to reach a big audience and to explain the ramifications of this virus. And it was important for everybody to listen to what he has to say, to what the experts have to say, so we stop the spread of this virus as best as we can. So he, like others, they go get tested because they knew they were in contact or close contact with somebody else who had it, right? And so they're like, oh, the light bulb goes off. Because otherwise, how would they know to get tested? He didn't have any symptoms or anything. Otherwise, how would he know? And... Uh, lots of sports to get to next week but one of the things I want to get into on the show next week is make sure I look myself I'm not even sure I'm educated on if you do start having symptoms what are you supposed to do well, you just call somebody or do you go to the doctor or like what do you I mean you need to know all that stuff and I guess for some people, unfortunately, like they would have symptoms severe enough where there's no question what they had to do. But what if you're not? We'll get into that next week. Y'all have a great weekend. See y'all on Monday. For Beaver, I'm Matt. We're out. See ya. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.